1: wherever you get your podcasts
2: jamie's log progressive the harrington's backyard day 11 4 a.m the tent i set up in the harrington's backyard to prove progressive as 24 7 protection has a rip in it but a little rain won't stop me mrs harrington says she totally understands 24 7 protection means 24 7 gonna stay a few more days to make sure it's hailing now that's fun
0: Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto.
2: We offer round-the-clock protection, just not
0: literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive, casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
3: Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All
4: right, hello and welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, part of fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, as always, and boy oh boy, do we have a jam-packed show for you this week. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll chat with Carolina Panthers defensive end Yator Grossmatos and Baltimore Ravens defensive back Devontae Harris. But we're recording this on the Friday in the midst of the 2021 NFL Draft, and certainly a lot to get into there. Before we get into our biggest winners and losers, before we get into the best picks and all of the speculation and rumors surrounding Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay, a little bit of housekeeping as always. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, in Spotify, search for Stacking the Box, and NFL Podcast. You get this podcast every Friday, and you get Stacking the Box every Tuesday. Fan-sided outstanding portfolio of NFL podcasts. And let's just jump right into it, because as the first round has come to an end in the NFL draft, I think that the biggest winners overall so far are the teams that were the most aggressive, the teams that moved, the teams that made the trades on Thursday night, not just to go and get the players that they were targeting in this year's class, but also to bolster their draft capital this year, and more importantly... In next year's draft, in 2022, when you talk to GMs and executives and scouts around the league, there was so much uncertainty around this year's draft class. Nobody knew exactly what the top prospects were, especially those who opted out. There were some concerns there. It's a smaller class overall. But the teams that went ahead and traded for draft picks next year, I think really helped themselves tremendously. And I think the biggest winner in this year's draft so far are the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman because we talk about this all the time when it comes to Roseman. He, he's a riverboat gambler when it comes to the draft and he's very adept and he very frequently moves up and down the board and that's no different. The Eagles, of course, made a couple of moves before the draft when they traded Carson Wentz to the Colts and then the moves that they made with the Miami Dolphins to acquire two first-round picks in addition to their own first-round pick next year. So they have three first-round picks in 2020 22, but on Thursday night, as the board was unfolding and you saw Kyle Pitts as expected and as I reported was going to be the case two weeks ago, go off the board number four overall to the Atlanta Falcons. You saw the quarterback start to fall. You saw Patrick Sertain and JC Horn go off the board. Howie Roseman was sitting there at the number 12 pick. Dallas Cowboys were on the clock at number 10 and Roseman very clearly and very obviously knew that the player atop Dave Gettleman's board, as I wrote about earlier this week on g HQ and on my weekly column on fansided.com, was the number one player on the Giants board. And Howie Roseman went up and sniped Devonte Smith out of Alabama, who many believe to be one of the two best receivers in this year's class and one of the five or six best prospects overall. And he did it without giving up that first round pick. They now have Three first-round picks in 2022. They've dropped Devontae Smith into that offense, reunited him with quarterback Jalen Hurts. And this is the type of trade that, in my opinion, not only saved Howie Roseman's job going into and beyond next year, but it's the type of trade that I think extends his window and extends his time in Philadelphia. Because when you talk to people around the league, I had a scout tell me that when they watch Devontae Smith, they see Marvin Harrison and they see a guy that can dictate to opposing defenses. And when you think back to when the Indianapolis Colts were really up and running with Peyton Manning at quarterback, they had all those weapons with Brandon Stokely and Edron James and Marvin Harrison. Nobody could play cover two against them because Harrison's ability to take the top off a defense and you needed to lock him down one-on-one. That's the type of player that some scouts see Devonte Smith developing into. So you look at the Eagles, and I thought they did a really nice job of going up and getting a player they targeted at a position of need. They took him away from a division rival who would have taken him, and they traded only a third-round pick to do it, and they pre- preserved their three first-round picks for next year. So Howie Roseman and the Eagles, to me, are the biggest winners. But the Giants aren't that far off. And I think what the Giants did and what Dave Gettleman, the trade that he made the first time in his career that he's ever traded down in the NFL draft, that's a monumental sea change, and it's commendable. And I think that when you look at how they viewed this board, and oh, by the way, let's just remember here that Dave Gettleman said on Thursday night before they got on the phone last week with the Chicago Bears and general manager Ryan Pace, Howie Roseman called the Giants and asked him point blank, Dave, Would you trade with me? Would you be open to trading within the division? And Gettleman said, Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I be? But The Giants wound up ultimately moving back in a deal with the Bears. The Eagles moved up ahead of the Giants in a trade with the Cowboys. So I think that some of that sticker shock about trades within the division might start to fade as teams now prioritize their own needs versus worrying about what the teams within the division and what their rivals are doing. But I look at what the Giants did, and it's very clear and very obvious that the Giants specifically – have higher grades and a higher opinion of the 2022 class than they do on this year's draft class. And they move back to 20 with the Bears. They get a first-round pick, which, based on Chicago and the roster that they have and the uncertainty of what they're going to do with Justin Fields and if they're going to waste time with Andy Dalton early in the season, you could see the Bears wind up picking in the top 15 or so, maybe even top 10. And if you're the Giants, You needed to do everything in your power to surround Daniel Jones with as many weapons as possible. And they went and got another one in the draft. Kadarius Toney out of Florida. Now, I don't know that I liked him as much as Elijah Moore, who's still available going into Friday. I didn't like him as much as I liked the kid out of Minnesota, Rashad Bateman. I thought that he has the chance to be a field stretcher and a red zone target and a big bodied receiver that would have fit in nicely. But the Giants want speed. It's very obvious. They signed John Ross in free agency. They brought in Kenny Galladay, who's a legitimate number one and maybe a top 12 to 15 receiver in this league, if not better than that. Now you drop Tony in the slot. Some people compare him to Tyreek Hill. Some people see, you know, shades of some of those other speedy slot receivers. They now have an arsenal with Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram and Kenny Galladay and Darius Toney and however it shakes out with the rest of the receivers, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton John Ross, where they can make a real evaluation on Daniel Jones. And if Jones is the guy and the Giants win 8, nine ten games, you have an additional first-round pick. But if he's not, it's the same case for the Eagles. Just like if Jalen Hurts falters and the Eagles can go and get the top quarterback, the Giants are now equally well positioned to go and get the top quarterback in next year's class. So I love what the Giants did. They also added a couple of mid-round picks to be able to use as trade chips if they want to go up and get a guy in round two, or round three, or even for next year. So those two teams, to me, are big winners. And I absolutely love, we talked about Rashad Bateman. I love what Baltimore did because you look at wide receiver and that was one of their biggest needs, even though they have Hollywood Brown. They needed a dynamic number two wide receiver or number one wide receiver, even to pair with Lamar Jackson to help elevate that offense. And they got Bateman. I mean, he's a big play, big frame, six foot, 210 pound red zone target. And you drop him into that offense. It's just another weapon. And I think that that's going to serve them very well in AFC where you got to score points. And even more importantly than scoring points in the AFC, it's rushing the passer, especially against Patrick Mahomes. We've talked about that the last few weeks on this podcast that you need pass rushers if you're going to get past Kansas City. And at the back end of the first round, Baltimore lands Penn State's Jason Owe. And Jason Owe is a guy who didn't have a sack last year, but he has freakish athleticism. He's a guy that ran a 4-3-9 in the 40-yard dash, had a 12-foot vertical leap. He's a guy that when you talk to evaluators around the league, they were pounding the table to get him into their building, to get him into their system, to untap and unleash that athleticism in their scheme. And the Ravens went and they had him fall into his lap. So they added a pass rusher. They added a receiver. They addressed two of their most glaring needs on both sides of the football. And to me, they laid the foundation for a really strong draft class. But then you look at their division rivals and the Steelers, another team to me, where I say, wow, what a great pick. And I know that a lot of teams don't value the running back position, but Najee Harris is a versatile weapon. Coming out of Alabama, he averaged 5.8 yards per carry. He's a dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield. And you look at that offense, you're trotting out a 39-year-old quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who it looked like his arm fell off late last November, who couldn't push the ball downfield. Defenses see that. And even though you have playmakers at wide receiver like Deontay Johnson and you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, you look at Chase Claypool, three really solid electrifying playmakers in the vertical passing game, defenses could kind of, you know, give you a cushion and say, hey, you know, you're not going to beat us over the top. Well, now you bring in Najee Harris, all of a sudden you got to creep up towards the line of scrimmage. You got to respect the running game, not just as a ball carrier. With this running back as a receiver, and that should open up some space and some opportunities for those wide receivers. So the Steelers are probably not going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger playing at the level that he did over the final six or seven weeks last year. But their offense got better, and Najee Harris takes a lot of pressure off of him. Now the pick that's been kind of polarizing that a lot of people, some people believe was a little bit of a reach. Some people believe they overpaid. I'm not in that camp. I look at the Chicago Bears and I love what they did. I love going to get Justin Fields. I love the aggressiveness and I'm of the school of thought, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. If you don't have a quarterback and your guy is available and he's sliding a bit, go get him. I don't really care what the price is at quarterback. If your convictions are This guy has the potential to be a top 15 quarterback. Go get him. And you look at Justin Fields' skill set. He's an ideal fit, and he's tailor-made for Matt Nagy's system. Because you look at him, and coming out of Ohio State, you watch the tape, you look at what he did in the national championship game against Clemson. Excuse me, in the playoff game against Clemson, and then again and against Alabama. You know, Fields arrives as a far more polished prospect, in my opinion, than Carson Wentz was coming out of North Dakota State. And you think back to quarterback coach John Filippo in Philadelphia now in the same role with the Bears, Filippo rebuilt Carson Wentz's throwing motion and molded him into an MVP candidate in his second season. Filippo doesn't need to do any of those things, doesn't need to go any of those lengths with Fields. He just needs to harness the athleticism. You look at Fields. I, I love the arm strength. I've watched him a lot. He terrorized Penn State for the past couple of years in the Big Ten. I know what the kid can do. I, I've seen him make plays on the run. I've seen him elude pressure. I've seen the accuracy on the quick throws. And this is a guy that can make every throw on the route tree. He's mobile. He makes throws on the run. And he's elusive enough to run for first downs when the pocket collapses around him. And finally... It seems like the Chicago Bears have made their way out of quarterback purgatory. So to me, those are the teams that really help themselves the most. I think the Bills are a team that after what happened in the AFC championship game, when they barely breathed on Patrick Mahomes, they needed to get a pass rusher. They got one in Gregory Russo. Now, I don't know that that was the best pick. I don't know that he was the best pass rusher. You talk to teams around the league, and you talk to you know league sources, and they'll tell you that there's a lot of uncertainty about Gregory Rousseau, especially after the opt out. His teammate Jalen Phillips was long gone, but teams had significantly higher grades on Phillips, significantly higher grades on Oway than they did on Gregory Rousseau. But the the Bills did what they had to do. They got a pass rusher. Now, whether or not he's the right pass rusher, time will tell. So much more to get into on this show. On the other side, we'll chat with Carolina Panthers defensive end, Yator Grossmatos. A little bit later, Devontae Harris, the defensive back for the Baltimore Ravens, joins the program as well. And we'll get into all of the rumors, all of the speculation, everything happening around Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansite at Stacking the Box podcast for you. The Matt Lombardo Show podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something good for your body at the same time. We start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut himalayan sea salt cinnamon and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have the result fall in love with truly decadent healthy guilt-free chocolate removing your cravings facilitating weight loss boosting your energy and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink not only that it is friendly with the paleo gluten-free keto vegan and vegetarian diets for the last eight years we've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide We're offering up to 15% off when you use the promo code minute 15 just go to earthechofoodscom echo slash and follow us on social media at the danette may and at earth echo foods
1: how do you make a radio ad for an 8k tv that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs this is
4: the best we can do samsung neo QLED 8k unreasonably good Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show and a conversation that I'm really looking forward to. Carolina Panthers edge rusher Yetor Grossmatos joins the program. You can follow Yetor on Twitter and Instagram at underscore underscore Lobo 99. Yetor, how's it going, my man?
1: I'm doing well, doing well.
4: Awesome. I'm happy to have you here. And, you know, thinking back, we're in the middle of the NFL draft right now, you know, we're recording this on a Friday after round one, you of course were chosen in round two. Take me back to what it was like draft weekend for you. There was a lot of buzz about you possibly going in round one. What was that like on Thursday night? And then what was the excitement like going into that Friday?
1: Yeah, I remember, you know, sitting there with my family um, and just being anxious, you know, as to, you know, whether I was going to go day one or day two. And I remember, you know, just my agent and my dad telling me, like, you know regardless, you know, it's going to matter, you know, what you do once you get there. And, you know, it kind of, you know, it wasn't a good feeling after day one, you know, not being picked up and thinking that I was. But, you know, my agent told me, you know, day two, you're probably going to be gone pretty fast, which I was. So, you know, I just... I pray for those guys, and you know I hope everyone the best success. But it, it's a life changing opportunity, um, obviously, and I know they're gonna yeah make the most of it.
4: What was the range of emotions like for you? And you know we saw last night Mac Jones. Some people thought it would go as high as three. He had to sit around and wait till fifteen. Obviously, a little bit of a different experience than you. But was it frustrating having to wait through that first night and then falling into the second round?
1: Um, it was frustrating. It definitely was. Uh, more so after, you know, after that 30-second that pick was in and it wasn't, it, you know, you still haven't called your name.
2: Yeah, that
4: had to be um, a long night.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, that was probably the most frustrating part, just that you waited so long and, you know, all that stuff builds up. But yeah, just the, the feeling that, the gratification when they actually did say my name, um, you know, it, it made it all worth it.
4: Absolutely. Now, one of your former teammates in college, Micah Parsons, he was just drafted Thursday night, number 11 overall by the Dallas Cowboys. What kind of player are they getting for the next decade in the heart of their defense?
1: Oh, I mean, Micah Parsons is an incredible, incredible athlete. I mean, to this day, still the most impressive athlete I've ever seen. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I, I'm like, I'm going to tell my kids, like, I played with Micah Parsons uh, most Competitive dude I've been around um, and and he brings that energy every day and it it affects the guys around him. So, I mean, I think they're getting uh, obviously a super talented player, but, you know, off the field, a good person, too, with exactly the traits that you want.
4: And, you know, there's also been so much talk about Jason Owe, and he really surged up draft boards this spring. I know he kind of stepped into your role at Penn State this past season. He didn't have any sacks, but he has so much athletic upside. And, you know, I talked to scouts who were kind of pounding the table for him. Despite the lack of production, the Ravens get him at 31 or 30, rather, at the very end of the first round. What kind of player is Jason Oway, and how is he going to fit into that, that scheme there?
1: I'm extremely, extremely proud of him. You know, Jason is like a little brother to me. Um, but I mean, obviously, I think Jason is not going to have a problem fitting in pretty much anywhere you clearly you see he has the speed um you know if they wanted to use him as an outside linebacker type, and you know playing with his hands as a dirt is the system he comes from, which he excelled in um I know he had one of the greatest uh not the greatest but um one of the best in the country in terms of you know pressuring the quarterback last year, so I mean. He didn't have any sacks, but, you know, he was affecting the ball, so.
4: Yeah, and, you know, I've heard some people actually compare him to Jadeveon Clowney. Did you see any of those similarities in their two games?
1: Um, I mean, in terms of being just a freak athlete, I mean, it's there. Uh, 260 running a 4-3. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, being a threat off the edge is something, you know, that comes natural to Jason, and um, he, he has the work ethic to, to be, be a great player.
4: And you know, there's been some reporting this week. The college football playoff is considering expanding not just from four to eight, but all the way to twelve. You know, back in 2018, you guys rose all the way up 2019 rather to number four. You know, you came one game shy from making the playoff that year. It felt like. Would you want to see the playoff expand to twelve games? Is that something that you're kind of hoping winds up happening? Um,
1: I don't know. I kind of I liked it the way it was. I thought, you know it kind of held people to a higher standard of, you know, uh, (laughs) either going to go undefeated or you shouldn't lose more than one game or just you have no shot of going, which was what it was like for me twice, losing two, two games a year. Um, But no, I like it the way it was. So,
4: and, you know, you go from Penn State, you know, high-level program with James Franklin running an NFL-caliber program up there in Happy Valley to getting drafted by Matt Rule. And you hear all the talk about toughness that defined his teams at Temple, at Baylor, before he even got to Carolina. What's he like as a head coach, and what's the secret sauce in that Matt Rule toughness?
1: I mean, I think the, the secret sauce is the fact that it's genuine. Um, he, he's a guy who talks about, the brand all the time and I mean as far as I could tell he's someone who lives it um the most competitive dude I've been around toughest dude like and he really expects and you know wants it out of you every single day and you know to be consistent be the same person um and he holds everybody to that standard no matter who they are so I mean he's an embodiment of the things that he preaches
4: and I know that you grew up in Virginia, and it seemed like when he was at Temple and a little bit at Baylor that Matt Rule recruited that area pretty hard. Did you guys have a relationship before the Panthers wound up drafting? Like, did you, did you know Matt Rule at all before he became your head coach? I did not. No. Yeah. yeah. And, then, you know, this has been for the Panthers really quite an offseason, and a lot of moves were made, but the biggest move of all was a Sam Darnold trade. What was your reaction when you saw that news come across?
1: Um, you know, Obviously excited to have the guy in the locker room. Uh, but more, more f- focused on what we're doing on defense this year.
4: Yeah, and, and tell me about that defense, because you guys seem to get better as the year went along, and I know that you did as a rookie. Um, what's the next step for that defense? How do you level up from where you guys finished last year?
3: Um,
1: I think, you know, we, we kind of moved into the offseason with a pretty clear plan um, as far as things we need to get better at. And obviously drafting uh, the corner at number eight give us some more time, you know, so a couple more seconds to make some plays. Uh, That's how I see it.
4: Yeah, and you had a really solid rookie season, two and a half sacks. You forced a fumble, really came on as the year went along. Year two in the system, how does Etor Grossmatos take that next step? How do you level your game up personally from where you finished to where you're walking on the field in September?
1: Uh, The first step is, you know, take care of my body. Um, I had an issue with, you know, staying on the field last season. Um, so I got to do a better job at that, which I think I have taken the steps in the right direction. And then, uh, obviously, you know, improving as a football player, that stuff never stops. So, you know, just learning from older guys, younger guys, it doesn't matter. Soaking up all the knowledge I can and, you know, applying that to my game.
4: Another rookie on your guys' defense who really busted out was Jeremy Chin. And I mean, if you watch the film and you look at the stats, he really nearly stole the defensive rookie of the year award. What makes these hybrid defenders—guys that can play defensive back and linebacker, or guys that can go from safety to corner—you know—what makes them so special? How, how are how do they have the ability to play those different positions at such a high level?
1: I mean, being he's a phenomenal athlete, but I think you know his aggressiveness and the fact that you know he doesn't shy away from contact, He doesn't shy away from you know number one receivers. I mean, he just goes after it. Um, so you got somebody with that mentality and that kind of athleticism, he's going to be versatile. You can use him in any way. So uh, I know they call him Mr. Do-It-All here. So, I mean, he's
4: he's he's doing special things. You put him on one side, you bring in J.C. Horn. Man, that, that that's kind of the foundation of a really dominant secondary that, like you touched on earlier, gives you guys the ability as pass rushers you know, that extra second to get home. That, that, that's a nice start to a defense in a division where you got Tom Brady, you got Matt Ryan, but but then it's kind of you guys.
1: Yep. No, I, I don't put us down uh, before any other team. So, you know, I think we could compete with anybody. you know, I, you know there are a lot of close games last year that could have went either way. Um, and you know, we just we needed to find a way to win. And you know, I think we've got, you know, the players and the coaches and the talent to do it to do it this season.
4: You know, you play alongside a guy like Brandon Burns or Brian Burns, rather. He's coming off a nine sack season, seems to be a rising star in this league. What have you been able to learn from him and what's it like playing across from that guy?
1: I mean, he's taught me a lot, a lot about rushing, um, a lot about what it, you know, it takes to be effective in this league. Um, He's someone who never, you know, from day one, never, you know, showed me any, nothing but love and, you know, trying to take me under his wing. Um, I mean, he's obviously a phenomenal athlete and, uh, you know, the best pass rusher I've been around. So every day I just go into work and I try to take as much as I can from the dude.
4: You know, do you guys, when you're, you know, sitting in the locker room or maybe over Zoom during meetings and everybody else is off the line, do you guys talk about being that next great pass rush duo and maybe what that could mean in that division for you guys?
1: I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, we definitely talked about, you know, goals as far as what we want to do in the future and, uh, you know, dominating offenses, you know, as a unit. Um, so that's, that's that's something that we do talk about
4: on and, and off. Yeah, and, and for you personally, you know, you're a rookie, you're a second-round pick, and you come into a situation where the, the COVID-19 pandemic is full force. There's no OTAs, no mini camps how much different is it going to be for you going into training camp this year, knowing everything that you learned last year on the fly in games, in the regular season, getting able to pick up with that from what's going to be at least a little bit closer to a normal off season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, there's so much stuff last year, so many question marks and uncertainty, you know, just day to day. So having a better, a better clear plan this year and obviously Um, less things are uncertain when I've been through it. So just being able to form a better plan for myself, um, and prepare, prepare at the next level.
4: Yeah, watching your skill set coming into the league, I was really excited about, you know, your high motor, your ability to get after the quarterback. So, so hopefully this year you're able to just hit the ground running and do what you need to do. Uh, but Yator, this has been a lot of fun. It's been a great conversation. Before I brought you on, just perusing through your Instagram, your Twitter, at underscore underscore Lobo19. You got a cool giveaway going on. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, I got a cool giveaway going on uh, for people who comment, follow underneath the post you know, posting their uh, game day superstitions, most creative one, obviously getting a free autographed uh, jersey by me and some merchandise. So uh, let's keep it coming. All
4: right. Well, before they keep it coming, let's hear yours. What What's your craziest game day uh, superstition? What does what Yator do on game day? I
1: mean, I probably said I listen to the same exact playlist every game day. And I feel like I tried a couple of times, like not listening to it and it just, uh, I just felt off the entire day so I got to listen to the exact playlist.
4: All right, so what's the first song in the playlist? You put the you put the AirPods in, you're running out the tunnel for warm-ups. What's the song that kicks off the playlist?
1: I got Dreams of Nightmares by Meek Mill. Um, there you I go. Got G Herbo in the middle and then I always finish off I got TI Go Get It by TI is the last song.
4: Nice, nice. Well, hopefully Yator Grosmatos goes and gets the quarterback this year. Looking forward to seeing what you and the Panthers defense do making strides in 2021. This has been a lot of fun, Yator. Appreciate it. Everybody go ahead and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at underscore underscore Lobo99. Yator Grosmatos, appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you the further up the road, my man.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today.
4: Great insight there from Yator Matos, and you know he's a kid that I'm really excited to watch take the next step in his career on a defense that I'm really excited to see develop because you know we touched on it there with Yator he talked about Jeremy Chan and the fact that he's so versatile doesn't back down from lining up against number one wide receivers and they go out in the draft and they get a top 10 pick at cornerback in J.C. Horn who had some of the best ball skills in this class many people had J.C. Horn above Patrick Sertain as the number one cornerback back and expected him to go off the board first among defensive players which he was and you drop into the back end of that secondary you have Yator Grossmados and Brian Burns up front a couple really nice pass rush pieces and I know the Panthers have a little bit of an uphill climb with the Buccaneers and Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions who are going to be better because they hit the ground running and they brought back all 22 starters which is kind of unheard of But you look at that division and they're building something there. And if Sam Darnold being in a better situation with more playmakers and Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator and Matt Rule as the head coach, in a couple years down the line, we might be talking about the Carolina Panthers as a team on the cusp, a team that could make a lengthy playoff run or more than that. And I really think that Yator Grosmatos as a second-round pick last year is great value. He's a sleeper to take a big step forward this year, and I'm excited to see what happens in Carolina. But coming up on the other side, we'll chat with another budding defensive player in the National Football League, Baltimore Ravens defensive back Devontae Harris. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fan Sided Stacked in the Box podcast feed.
2: Jamie's Log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard. Day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun.
0: Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive, casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
4: Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show and joining us, as promised, Baltimore Ravens defensive back Devontae Harris. You can follow him on Twitter at @WitchKid. Devontae, thanks for taking the time today, my man.
3: Man, thanks for having me.
4: Of course, happy to have you here. Now, you know, we're right in the middle of the NFL draft. And of course, you went off the board in the fifth round. What was that Saturday like for you? Because you hear all these crazy stories about guys who were playing golf or, you know, they had to get out of the house and they got the phone call in the strangest places. What was your experience like and where, where did that call come in for you?
3: Man, it's all crazy. So like I was back at home in, in uh, Wichita and I had like I didn't really know exactly where I was gonna go. So I just ha- like handpicked like my family and friends that I wanted to come over just in case, like you know what I'm saying? Cause draft day goes really good for some people and it goes really, you know what I'm saying, not how you want it for other people. So um I thought I was gonna go in between like the third and the fifth, and I, I ended up going in the uh, fifth and Um, it was just a it was a crazy experience. So the third round goes and I'm just like at the TV looking at the ticker, and I'm like, all right, not going to the third. (laughs) Then the fourth round goes, I'm looking at the ticker, I'm like, man, I'm going downstairs. So I went downstairs and isolated myself. And as soon as I got downstairs, uh I got a call from from Cincinnati in the fifth.
4: Isn't that how it always happens? You know, when you're not looking for something, that's when it happens. You got the the, the whole crew around, the whole family, you know, you're waiting and waiting, you go off by yourself, and that's when you go off the board. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy well you know Devonte, the Ravens added you last year you know one day after you were let go by the Broncos what was it like going from a situation in Denver where you're practicing against a pocket passer like Drew Locke to you're thrown into the mix against Lamar Jackson one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the league what was that like
3: yeah uh, so that was my first time actually seeing him live in in, in person and I was like man this dude could run like you know what I'm saying he can move and he could throw good ball so I saw him as a complete quarterback so I'm like man this is this is my opportunity to go out here, you know what I'm saying, and really compete in practice. And if I can make plays against Lamar, then they're definitely going to put me, you know what I'm saying, then I definitely get get, get put in the mix. But uh, I think I was put into a defense that that uh, matched me really well. Um, I'm a, like a hard-nosed press corner, and that's the kind of ball that they play, and they just let you play free. They let you play your game, and, and that's what I enjoy about it.
4: And you will get that offense, it's run based, a lot of, you know, zone read type of schemes. And obviously, Lamar making throws on the run and yeah. you know, breaking loose in the pocket. Yeah. Going up against an offense with that sort of physical mindset, with your mindset as a player, how much does that help you every day?
3: I mean, it helps me a lot because especially playing under the Ravens organization, every day you're going to compete. Every day you give them 110 percent or it's not enough. So coming in every day with that mindset, competing against guys like, you know what I'm saying, Lamar, uh, who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know what I'm saying? He was MVP. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's a perfect environment for a player to come in and really show who, uh, who they are and kind of get a chance to go compete
4: everybody sees the difference that Lamar Jackson makes on the field, but you've been in that locker room now for the tail end of last season. And you obviously were there in the postseason. What does he bring to your locker room culture? What's he mean to that franchise?
3: Everybody loves him. Everybody, uh, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who is in the building, whether it's the custodian, whether it's the secretary, it doesn't matter. He treats everybody the same. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like this family environment. And when I first got into the building, I, I kind of didn't know what to expect, but um, him, I like he treated me like fa- family, uh, Marlon Humphrey, uh, all of those guys are just, you know what I'm saying? Just your normal everyday guys who just happen to be ballers.
4: Now there's this perception around the Ravens that wide receiver is still the biggest need, but you look at that roster, you got Hollywood Brown on the other side, you got Miles Boykin. He has a lot of upside in his own right. What's it like practicing against those two every day? And what makes Hollywood Brown such a, a strong player?
3: Uh, I don't want to give too many details in regards <laughs> to, uh, they individual strengths, but I just think uh, both of those guys, especially are, are you know what I'm saying, really good uh, players. But then you also got Duvernay, you know what I'm saying, who, who you can throw into the mix, but we got some guys that, you know what I'm saying, that can really play ball. And it's one of those things when you line up on Sunday, Monday night or Thursday night, whatever, you know what I'm saying, day you get, you got to go uh, compete against those guys and, and coming from the Ravens organization. Them already been ballers and then been put in a system where they have to just go go play ball and, and, and coach lets you play. You just got to wait till Sunday to watch them work, and they're going to come every every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday, ready to get it done.
4: And you talked about you know the high class organization that the Ravens are, and they always do a great job in their personnel department. And I really like what you guys did in the draft. You get Rashad Bateman, a big bodied, physical playmaking wide receiver, and then you round back and you help out the defense with Jason Oway, who all kinds of upside, athleticism, you know, potentially to be a dominant pass rusher. What do you think that those guys can bring into your situation?
3: Well, uh, so you kind of pulled up the wide receiver thing. We, You know what I'm saying? We added to that in the first round. So if people consider it to be a need, it was addressed. Uh, defense, no and exactly, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we have all the other guys to compliment them. We have some really great tight ends, you know what I'm saying? Uh, some, in my opinion, the best running backs in the league. Um, but we just got some guys. We got a bunch of guys. And uh, just adding to the defense, you you know what I'm saying? Anybody, when you turn on – from the Ray Lewis, you know what I'm saying, days to and on, and you watch that Ravens defense, you know what you're going to get. So anytime they ask that, especially uh, from a guy coming in, in, in the first round, you, you know that you just made that team better. From your experience and even just
4: watching the game from that player's standpoint of breaking down film and all that, who's the best receiver in the game today?
3: Uh, That's tough. You know what I'm saying? That, that'd be tough to say that, uh, but I can give you uh, – Close to my top three. I would okay. say.
4: Um, Always love a good top three list.
3: Yeah. I would say uh, D Adams, most definitely. Uh, definitely in that makes, I, I would, you know what I'm saying, I would probably put him at number one. Um, Tariq Hill, huge, you know what I'm saying, difference maker, big time player. Speed. And, yeah, speed, speed, yeah, he's dangerous. <laughs> he Named the
4: cheetah for a reason, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 dangerous, most definitely. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, man, that's hard because like, if, if you really look at the league and you break down each individual team ballers across the board, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's really hard to say, Hey, this person is the best at this, this, you know what I'm saying? Cause everybody is, is good at something different and everybody brings something different to the table. But if I also say, Hey, this is the best wide receiver in the game right now. He has this tool, this tool, and this tool, um, I would say probably D Adams.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, you brought up ballers, and you got some real ballers in your secondary. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, you're in that mix as well. But those two, they're two of the more accomplished cornerbacks in the entire NFL. What have you been able to learn from them playing with those guys, practicing with those guys, and being in meetings with them every day?
3: I ask a lot of questions. Uh, even me going into year four, just seeing them be, you know what I'm saying, pro bowlers, all pro, you know what I'm saying, and watching them work at how they make plays. I sit back and watch and I ask questions and I just kind of try and build off of that because I can always learn from other people's game.
4: And, you know, your defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, he's garnered a lot of head coaching interest the last couple cycles, interviewed for a bunch of jobs last year. And, of course, the Giants were one of those jobs, you know, that he was in in the mix for, really. You know, in your time there, what's his best attribute as a defensive coordinator?
3: I would say is making sure that, all the players are actually a part of it. I think um, Harbaugh, you know what I'm saying, it, it starts from up top. I think Harbaugh does a really good job at, at um, involving the players and making decisions or whatever's going on. And, and that goes on to Wink, like, like he asks a bunch of questions on what we see, what, 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 what we want to see, what we think fits best. And then they kind of um, base our defense and stuff off of kind of our strengths to make us better. But I think he does a really good job at, at including the players and making sure that we're a part of everything that's going on and that um, we like the defense that we're running or, or the scheme or, or, or certain personnels that we throw in. So, that so that's what um, really
4: stands yeah. out to me. All the successful coaches around the league, they, they don't necessarily meld their scheme to their players, they built the scheme around the strengths of the players. I think there's a big exactly. difference there. Uh, and you brought up John Harbaugh and he's a guy who's, you know, won a Super Bowl. You know, you guys are perennially in the mix. You make playoff runs. What makes him so successful? And, and you know, he's coached special teams early in his career. So that obviously played an impact in his development as a coach. But in your experience with John, what, what, what makes him so special?
3: Uh, I would just say that he he really gets it, you know what I'm saying, as far as understanding the players, understanding our needs, and understanding that, you know what I'm saying, the coaches are the structure, but the players make it go. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think he just understands it from that standpoint, and out of all the coaches that I've had, he's been um, the easiest to talk to, the easiest to have a conversation with because he's kind of like – some coaches are kind of like robotic, you know what I'm saying, they kind of just do things a certain way. But I feel like um, – he does a really good job of filtering through what he feels like we need to do and, and, and what he feels like we should do. You know what I'm saying? And, and kind of doing a, a good combination of, of making it work for not only himself, but the staff and the players as well.
4: Absolutely. You know, for you personally, for Devonte Harris, how do you get better? How do you take that next step? And what's your off season? Like what's your training regimen this time of year?
3: Yeah. I mean, I just go in, I just try to figure out uh, what I need to be better at, whether it's watching a film, whether it's movement, whether it's, you know what I'm saying? Um, playing with better eyes, whether it's understanding the defense better. And um, this offseason, it, it's been more so of really jumping into the defense, understanding it from a detailed standpoint so I can understand what everyone's job is and how that complements my job. Does Not a
4: 17-game schedule play into that at all? Because, you know, this is the first time that you guys have been asked yeah. to play 17 games. And obviously that's going to be a little bit different. You're adding a whole extra, what, 60, 65 snaps onto your body. Has, does that change your preparation at all?
3: Uh, I mean it, it. It does, but it doesn't because at the end of the day, especially um, when it comes to ball, you know what I'm saying. When you line it up, you got to go make plays. Whether your body's feeling great, whether it's not feeling great, you know what I'm saying. So I think the biggest thing is is people just have to utilize, um, like maintaining their body, making sure that they do they, their rehab, the prehab, you know what I'm saying, doing all the stuff to make sure you take care of your body and uh mental as well. Like you know what I'm saying. Seventeen games is a really long season, into to like continue with the same mindset from week one to week 17 can be tough. You know what I'm saying? So um, being mentally strong, physically strong and understanding what the end goal is. You know what I'm saying? Our end goal isn't 17 games. Our end game was never 17 games. So the 17 game aspect never mattered because we always plan to play more.
4: Yeah, the the end game and the end goal is always 20,
3: right? It's always, you know,
4: lifting the Lombardi trophy and being Super Bowl champions. And every team has that goal. You guys have been knocking on that doorstep the last couple of years. But for you personally, for Devontae Harris, what are the goals going into 2021 for you? And how do you get there?
3: I just want to go make an impact uh, at corner. I want to make a huge impact on the special teams. I want to make a huge impact just on the team. You know what I'm saying? And I just want to uh, compliment what everyone else brings to the table. That's great when you know what I'm saying it's the next man up i may not be a, a starter in the game but when it's someone goes down or someone goes out of series i need to be be able to step in go make plays and then eventually find a, a big role on the team so it, it just really kind of just doing my part complementing the team in whatever ways i can and making plays when it counts
4: Hey, man, this has been great. I really enjoyed the conversation and, you know, I'm pulling for you to take that next step in your career. Everybody should go ahead and follow Devonte Harris at Witch Kid on Twitter. Which Kid, explain the Twitter yeah. handle for me. Tell the people what it's all about.
3: Yeah, so I started um, really like my sophomore, junior a, a, a college. I made a hat and it's called Witch Talk Kid and it, and it was just me just representing my hometown. And then transitioning uh, transitioned into my rookie year of the league. I started a foundation called the Witch Talk Kid Foundation. So Anytime, um, I always try and give my city a shout out, and I kind of just took on the name. So even in the, in the league, like head coaches, players, everyone calls me which, You know what I'm saying? So I always try and represent my city, uh, uh, pull that name, and, and kind of give the kids back home something to to dream towards, and, and realize that they come from a special place too.
4: Love it! It's great to see people who remember the hometowns and try to give a, a helping hand back. To the hometown and bring the kids along for the ride later on and somebody to look up to. Devontae, really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this and look forward to talking to you further up the road. Best of luck in 2021 and beyond, my man.
3: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
4: Really fun conversation there with Devontae Harris, a player that I'm excited to watch with the Baltimore Ravens, kind of take the next step and really fight for a role in that secondary. And, you know, you look at the Ravens, and they're a team that's knocking on the doorstep, and we'll see what happens this year. I love what they did in the draft. I love the fact they got Jason away. I love the fact they got Rashad Bateman. They're a team that I think could really be a thorn in the side. For the Kansas City Chiefs and and one player who if he could ever get past the NFC championship game and would really be a thorn and really be a challenge to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, but we very well might have seen the last of Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform. And, you know, all hell seemed to break loose Thursday in the hours leading into the NFL draft when you had several reports start to come out that the Green Bay Packers were in conversation with teams about Rodgers and that Aaron Rodgers was so miffed and and so disenfranchised and so disenchanted and so disgruntled with the Packers that he wanted out, that he doesn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. And, you know, I started asking around, started talking to sources, started talking to executives around the league that I'm close to, and my takeaway was, and I was told, that talks on Thursday afternoon between the 49ers and the Packers were ongoing. And obviously, no deal wound up happening. No deal wound up going down. And in the draft with the number two overall pick, number three overall pick, rather, the 49ers went out and they took Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. They seem happy with him. And he seems like an ideal fit because of his skill set, his deep ball accuracy, and everything that he does well fits into what Kyle Shanahan asks his quarterbacks to do. But I don't think this is over. And, you know, you talk to people and it's a very similar vibe to what you heard about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks all offseason. And that Russell Wilson, once out of Seattle, that he's tired of the culture, that he's tired of, you know, coming up short and playing behind a shoddy offensive line. And with Rodgers, he started not having weapons. And yes, Devontae Adams is a great piece. And you heard Devontae Harris might be the best receiver in the game. They have Aaron Jones, a nice running back. But, you know, they just don't have the weapons. And you saw it again come home to roost in this year's NFC title game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Rodgers wants weapons, that he wants help. And I think it really, really ticked him off that they traded up last year to take Jordan Love, the quarterback out of Nevada, the heir apparent and what the Packers hope to be the predecessor to Aaron Rodgers at 37 years of age. But you talk to people, the trade market is strong For Aaron Rodgers, there are teams around the league, probably two to three handfuls of teams that are interested in Aaron Rodgers. And some have even poked around and asked about his availability. And this kind of reminds you of what happened with Carson Palmer getting out of Cincinnati. It kind of, you know, has that feel to it that it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but maybe by this season, Aaron Rodgers is somewhere else. And if I were a betting man, I would say that it's at least 50-50 Maybe more so 60-40 that he's not in Green Bay come September. And you start to think about it. And then I know that Aaron Rodgers would welcome the chance to go to San Francisco. And I think that the Las Vegas Raiders are kind of in that mix as well. And the Denver Broncos certainly, after not taking a quarterback in the NFL draft in round one on Thursday night, they would make a lot of sense. And, and I think that if you drop him into an offense where you have a KJ Hamler, you have a Jerry Judy, you have a Noah Font, you have an accomplished play caller in Pat Shermer, who is a much better offensive coordinator than he is a head coach, that that would be a situation that could work out really well for Aaron Rodgers. and. I just have this sense. And I know that you talk to people and they'll tell you, Matt, you know, you can have unhappy players. He's the reigning MVP. Who cares? They'll mend the fences. They'll pay him and they'll he'll get over it. I'm not so sure. I think that there's going to be a team after the draft that's just, you know, not thrilled with their quarterback situation, doesn't need the draft capital necessarily next year that is in the wish list of an Aaron Rodgers, say a Las Vegas Raiders, say a Denver Broncos, say even a Miami Dolphins, if you have the chance to go and get Aaron Rodgers, you have to think about doing it. I just think the market is too strong, and Aaron Rodgers is just miffed enough that it's going to be really tough for the Packers to smooth this over. And I think there's a really good chance he's playing elsewhere next year. That's where we are there. But, you know, let's get to the questions. You can follow me on Twitter at MattLombardoNFL. And each and every week, we will answer some questions from listeners to the podcast. This one comes in from Patrick Powell at Gordzi on Twitter. And Patrick Powell asks, What do you see as the Eagles' primary areas of need for rounds two through seven. And I think now that they went out and they got Devonta Smith, they need to go and get a cornerback. They need to get a perimeter player. And I think that they also need to look at offensive linemen. And you look at the kid out of Oklahoma State, just a mauler at right tackle, Tanner, and I think that he's a guy that... He could step in either at tackle or guard. I think he's somebody that the Eagles could target. But I think for them, it comes down to perimeter play on defensive cornerback. It comes down to offensive line play because they were so banged up last year and they started something like 37 different offensive line combinations. They need to shore that up. And when you look at Howie Roseman, he's a guy that's not afraid. And we touched on this very early on in the show to move around the board and accumulate the kind of assets that they need to come away with the players that fill the obvious voids on their roster. And I think that Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, six foot five, three 320 pounds, he's a guy that could step in and be an immediate impact player along the Eagles offensive line that they could target. And, you know, you look at, you know, some of the cornerbacks that are available, even an edge rusher like Aziz O'Jolari, or if the Eagles really want to get wild and they want to move up, Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State, elite ball skills, a physical player, very similar skill set to his father who played for the Eagles and the New England Patriots, Asante Samuel. I think that those are two players that could be on the Eagles' wish list. And another question comes in, this one from at S3 Friedman. He asks, what's your outlook on where the Bears' first-round pick will land in the 2022 draft? It'd be interesting to see if the Bears commit to Justin Fields at the start of the season. I don't see Chicago sacrificing their season to go with Fields as the starter from the outset. I tend to disagree there. And, you know, I know that they sounded and seemed committed to Andy Dalton and tweeted out that he was QB1 after they signed him in free agency. But I just think that Justin Fields has too much arm talent. I think he's too gifted of an athlete. I think that he's too good of a fit in Matt Nagy's offense in a situation where if Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace don't win today, if they don't make a legitimate impact and make strides towards winning a division and making a playoff run this year, They're gone. And I know conventional wisdom says if you draft a quarterback and you're a GM or an offensive coordinator, you're going to have a couple of years. I don't think that's the case in Chicago. Because if you see Fields' talent, and if he is an electrifying starting quarterback who can make plays on the run and make all the throws and all of those things, and you stink, and you go 6-10 and with Justin Fields playing well, you're gone. You're fired. And you're especially fired if you wait until October or November to get Justin Fields' on the playing field. So I think that the Bears, they're they're another team. Like Carolina and the NFC South, they're up against it because they're in a division with the Green Bay Packers as long as Aaron Rodgers is there. You pencil them in for 11-plus wins. I really love what the Minnesota Vikings have done the last couple years. I think they win 9 or 10 games based on merit, based on talent, based on how much talent they have on both sides of the ball, especially guys like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. And then the Bears are there. I think they're better than the Detroit Lions. I think that they're, you know, more equipped, especially with Allen Robinson at wide receiver, Khalil Mack on defense. But if they don't win six, seven, eight, nine games, they're gone. They're blowing out that GM and the head coach. So I think if you're a Giants fan looking at that pick, coming in somewhere around where the Giants picked this year, 12 through 15, and I think next year the Giants are going to be better. I think they're going to be in the mix in the NFC East where you're going to have, you know, all four teams, are going to be better. I love what Washington did. Both sides of the ball this offseason. They have maybe the best defense in the NFC East, and they have an offense that's loaded with talent with Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and now a competent quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then you look at Dallas. If Dak Prescott is healthy with all of those weapons, they could score 30 to 33 points per game. Micah Parsons, a gifted sideline-to-sideline side player. And the Eagles, I think, are a little bit further away. But they're going to be better. They're not going to win four games next year. They're going to win six, seven games if Devonte Smith is the type of player that everybody believes he is. So if you're the Giants and you have Kenny Galladay and you have Saquon Barkley and you have, you know, Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard and your defense improved as well, I think the Giants should win nine to ten games. So if you're the Giants, you're probably picking with your own pick somewhere between 14 and 17. And I think that the Bears pick is going to come in somewhere around pick 11 through 13. So Dave Gettleman did himself tremendous favors in next year's draft in a class where he's much more optimistic about what it has the chance to be.
3: This podcast is under review. Uh
4: Uh-oh, you know what that sound means. It is time... To put this podcast under review, it is time to read a five-star review for the Matt Lombardo show inside the Stacking the Box podcast feed. We're going to do it every week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store. Please subscribe on Spotify if you prefer to get us there and leave us those five-star reviews. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about the show. This one comes in from the real Todd Rogers, headline, the all-juice team. Guys, I've been searching for an NFL podcast since Therese Taylor's untimely passing and the podcast he and Charles Robinson did went on a hiatus. You guys provide some of the same knowledgeable insight with fun and sometimes hilarious takes. I can't wait to listen when I see it pop up in my feed. Thank you so much for the great content. And of course, that also goes for the Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen that drops every Tuesday inside this podcast. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to Stacking the Box on the Apple Podcast Store, and on Spotify, my podcast, The Matt Lombardo Show, is released every Friday afternoon. This has been a really fun show. Thanks, of course, to Yator Grossmatos and Devonte Harris. Thanks to the help from Fansided's own Danny Freeman and Cole Thompson for helping put this podcast together. I'm Matt Lombardo. Enjoy the rest of the NFL Draft. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Please subscribe. Please leave those five star reviews, and I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show. Inside Fansided Stack the box podcast feed
2: so as you graduate and head out into the world there's only one thing that you need to know hi this is jamie from progressive yeah i can talk now progressive protects you 24 7 so tell me what happened oh i'm sorry gene can you give me one second um brush at for every meal congratulations and thank you Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender.
0: Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms.